Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and I'm delighted you've decided to take the time to join me. A very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsors, Emma and Janet. Thank you for your kindness. You can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. The Camino is a journey of discovery, a journey of life. For many of us, it's the journey of a lifetime. Life is so short, so sweet, but we so often sour it with worry and fear, troubles and anxiety. And the Camino is the perfect place to reset, to relearn what is important. The people are just so wonderful. A snapshot of how people should be. A global community of kindness. It's not all sweet and pure. Indeed, sometimes the Camino is tough and rugged, unforgiving and challenging. But it's worth the overcoming of those obstacles to take the opportunity to reboot. We are so lucky to have the opportunity to travel, to go on an adventure, a quest. Put the pack on your back, put one foot in front of the other, maybe run into someone you met a few days earlier, a new friend, someone who will become Camino family. We are fleeting, you and I, passing swiftly in the greatest passage of time. Any opportunity to slow one's journey, to allow perspective to try to take in as much as possible, is an opportunity worth grasping with both hands. The English author Arnold Bennett wrote, The chief beauty about time is that you cannot waste it in advance. The next year, the next day, the next hour are lying ready for you, as perfect, as unspoiled, as if you had never wasted or misapplied a single moment in all your life. You can turn over a new leaf every hour if you choose. El Camino de Santiago is the perfect place to start. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're thinking of walking, do it. <laughs> the most popular Camino is what's called the Camino Francaise, which winds its way from saint jean Peter port in the Basque country, over the border from France into Spain, and onto Pamplona, Burgos, León, and eventually to Santiago de Compostela. We're told the remains of Christ's Apostle James the Stronger are interred beneath the altar of the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, which translates as St. James under a field of stars. I remember lying on my back with my guitar under my head looking up at the spires of the cathedral and I wondered, what now? How do I take this feeling with me? Well, I wish I'd read Arnold Bennett's quote, the chief beauty about time is that you cannot waste it in advance. The next year, the next day, the next hour are lying ready for you, as perfect, as unspoiled, as if you had never wasted or misapplied a single moment in all your life. You can turn over a new leaf every hour if you choose. My guest this week has just returned from the Camino. Rosie Jacobs is an Australian pilgrim. She travels for a living. And Rosie's sitting right here with me. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Tell us how the Camino came into your life. Oh, isn't that a great question? And one that so many people can answer so differently. Um, for me, I first heard about the Camino around about four years ago from a really dear friend named Stuart. And he was English and had done the Camino before. And, and we became really firm friends. And he said, Rosie, you just have to do this thing called the Camino. And I said, the what? Whatever it is, I think I should do it. Um, and and I was at a bit of a crossroads in my life coming out of a, um, a divorce and 
relocating from Vanuatu in the South Pacific back to Australia. And I was just in that sort of um, recreating my sense of identity stage of my life. Um, and so Stuart convinced me to do this Camino and we planned and booked a few things in and and then um, and a number of misadventures happened. So I got offered a job that was too good to refuse. Stuart's father passed away in oh. the UK. It was it was quite sad. And um, and then um, of course COVID soon followed. Um, fast forward a little way, and and Stuart sadly um, is no longer with us. So I made this decision to myself that I would do the Camino partly in his memory and um, and to oh. follow through with this pledge that I had made to him. Mm. Um, yeah, before he passed away, he, he said, just promise me that you'll get there and you'll do this for yourself. And I said, all right, I promise. Um, I, I wonder if in doing it for yourself, you were doing it in a way for him as well. 100%. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. awesome. There was a real incentive to, to really um, honour his memory um, but also to to do this as a, a soulful journey for me, as a, a celebration of a new chapter. Yeah. Part of that new chapter is you not drinking. Yeah. A, a celebrating a year sober. Yeah. More than a year. What an achievement. What an extraordinary thing to I have know. done. Not many Aussies can say they've not done that. Not many Australians can do it. <laughs> and, and I think that's a, a, a wonderful reason to walk the Camino and celebrate because that is the ultimate gift you've given yourself, right? That's true. That's a true freedom. It is. It is in every respect. I mean, it, physically, yeah. it's um, it's a freedom from you know a bit of a toxin, really, when sure. it all boils down to it. Um, emotionally, it's a freedom because you're reclaiming, um, you know, the fact that you're in charge of your yeah. body, your decisions, your emotions, and and you're not um, needing to run from any sense of pain or discomfort in your life. But you know, most people. They either pick up a drink when they're celebrating or they pick up a drink when they're commiserating or, or they pick up a drink because it's habit, you know. And uh, and so it was really freeing to to not be one of those people mm -hmm. that, um, that needed to have a drink in order to live life on life's terms. Was it hard? Look, in the beginning it really was. Um, it was harder than I imagined it would be, definitely. And I think a lot of people say that they can – do a bit of a break from alcohol for a short period of time, but then eventually they they say, oh, okay, well, I've done that, and then they just go back to the way things were. Um, for me, I I made a decision that I really, I recognise I'm a bit of an all-or-nothing type of a personality. So, so I thought, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly, mm. and I want to do minimum 12 months. Um, and so it was after about the first month where it was a bit of a novelty, and then I went, oh, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is for good. Okay. Um, so, so I had to really find ways of, um, dealing with social situations yeah. where it was just, it's so commonplace in Australia, yeah, yeah, sure put is. a drink in your hand. And, yeah. and if you don't, then, um, then you're quizzed or yeah. at least you feel like you're being quizzed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's kind of un-Australian to not have a drink. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there were there were some challenges, but then it became quite empowering. And, and then the the really cool thing is that eventually, you know, I became more confident in the fact that I didn't need to have a drink in my hand. And when people asked me about it, I was able to say, "Look, you know, I'm I'm 
doing it for these reasons and I feel really good now wow. to not have a drink. And that's when people became really curious and wanted to actually have a go themselves. So maybe I inspired a few other people awesome. along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. I, I want to get to that uh, along the way uh, mm. in just a minute, but I just want to ask you a very quick question. Do you like this new you? No, I love this new me. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> now that's great because I can imagine there would be a lot of people who would say to themselves, I better not give up drinking because I might not like the new me. Mm. It's, it's really confronting. You know, um, most of our lives we've found a way of not having to sit in mm. discomfort or, or look in the mirror. We have so many ways of disengaging mm. with something we don't like, you mm. know, even mm. screen time or, yeah. yeah, or people become obsessed with work or exercise. You know, we have these ways of numbing and escaping um, and it's everywhere. Yeah. So to not do that, um, you're changing a lot of habits and you're facing your fears. Great. Um, and, uh, yeah. It's it's worth it if you can if you can That's get great. through. That's great. No, I'm really pleased for you. Really, really pleased for you. But you mentioned it's been over a year. There's a lot of boozing on the Camino. Well, Was there that is. difficult? Because I know I've interviewed people here before who said no vino, no Camino, <laughs> right? So was that well, difficult too? I've, because there I is a bit of a culture of boozing. Well, do you know there is and there isn't. What I found really striking, and maybe it was because it was on my radar, not drinking, um, but I found going to, you know, the sort of the after walking drinks each day mm. where people gather and socialise and, and you want to be part of that. I'm not going to avoid yeah. that situation. Yeah. I would comfortably walk in there. Every bar in Spain has on tap a zero option. So it's, it's a beer with zero alcohol, non-alcoholic beer. And it is now, in my view, just as common as, yeah. as a regular beer. And, That's right. And all the major beer brands are now making it. I even found myself chatting to Irish men who said there's a real trend happening in Ireland at the moment where young blokes Whoa. are just giving up alcohol. Can you... It's Ireland. I know, I if know. If they can do it. It is amazing. I was only just reading this week, I can't talk about Ireland, but in Australia, um, zero alcohol booze is now 3.5% of the market. Is that all? So three and a half mm. drinks out of every hundred are zero alcohol, which to me seems astonishing. I would have thought it would be way higher than really? that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's everywhere. Every bottle shop sells zero percent. There you go. Your supermarket sells yeah. the, you know, the really good versions of, um, yeah. well, there's wines and whatnot. It's up to some people if they like the taste of that or if they just don't mm. even bother yeah, and yeah, have yeah. a really nice soda water with fresh lime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that sounds good too. <laughs> yeah. So you've been through a lot these last five years, the, the marriage breakdown, you're raising two daughters as a single mum. Mm. Did you draw on those experiences um, to overcome some of the challenges on the Camino? For sure. For sure. Um, look, I think every person who does the Camino seems to have some sort of adversity um, that they bring with them. Um, and it is that vulnerability that becomes a strength in mm. the long run. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love listening to people like Brené Brown and and the power of vulnerability and rising strong. She's yeah. a real inspiration for me. Yeah. And and so I've, you know, finally at this stage, I've learned to use some of the adversity that I've overcome 
as a real silver lining in my life now. It gives me this ability to be um, a little more aware of my surroundings, to appreciate things more. Um, you know, I've, I feel like I, I wake up with a sense of gratitude now in my life and, and the Camino just you know, manifested more and more of that for me. So cast your mind back. There are people listening right now who are thinking of walking the Camino. Did what you experience link up with what you envisaged it would be like? Do you remember what your expectations were and, and did it match up with those expectations or was it better? Or? <laughs> That's such a great question, Dan. Do you know, I'm sure you've seen these signs, but like literally written on the signs on the side of the, the path or the way were, um, you know, these little handwritten scribbles by people who had, one was everywhere I went. It said the Camino doesn't give you what you want. The Camino gives you what you need. So throw your expectations way out the window. Um, mm. and, and I think expectations can be a bit dangerous um, because there's just no such thing as things living up to your expectations. Yeah, yeah. You know, in this modern day world, we have pretty high standards. Um, yeah. And we want things to look like a shiny, happy romance movie at all times with a matching soundtrack. It doesn't work that way. Um, mm. But it was the challenging parts of the Camino that I'd, even feel most grateful for because that's that's when I was given the opportunity to rise to a challenge or to um, shift my perspective and feel an even greater sense of joy or appreciation. That's awesome. It, it's, there are physical challenges on the Camino. I mentioned earlier it's tough. It can be grueling at times. Mm. There are hills to climb, valleys to traverse, much like life. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself when you walked the Camino? Hmm. I think I learnt to let go of control. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which what a is great a, thing to learn. It's a big one, right? Yeah. I think we all spend a lot of time trying to be in charge because we're afraid of what happens if we take our hands off the wheel. And, I mean, the funny thing is none of us are in charge anyway, so we're just sort of <laughs> driving around blindly That's thinking so we've got this thing called life, and it's so not true. That's so so, so the minute we kind of accept that and go, oh, mm. you know, why don't I just go with the flow and, yeah. uh, you know, what will be will be. There's a few cliches you can throw in there, you know, it's up to the universe. Um, but there's a sense of relief that comes when you don't try to – pre-book everything and have it all planned in advance. And, um, it, it just, it's, it's easier. Life is easier when you stop trying to be in charge. Wow. What a great lesson that would be if we all tried that for a little while. <laughs> it doesn't always go according well, no, to plan. Of course it doesn't, but still. Yeah. And it's still my instinct to yeah. try to plan things. Mm. I mean, even in terms of the accommodation along the way, um, the advice I was given before I left was just book some of it and leave the rest up to spontaneity and, um, and adventure. Um, so I did that and then I, I arrived and I've quickly realised just how busy September was. Um, it was post-fires in Europe, post-COVID. Uh, you know, there were, I believe, this year around 400,000 pilgrims. Yeah. Um, and, and so I found that a lot of the accommodation options were booking out quickly. So, you know, so I had to adjust around that. Um, that was fine. That was part of the adventure. So what did you discover that perhaps you weren't so proud to discover? Because you would have done a lot of thinking. Mm. 
Mm, God, that's another great question. So I think I've become incredibly independent in the last five years. And it's, it's like, you know, this female Aussie single mum in me that was raised by a single mum. Right. You know, I've sort of had this built-in instinct that I have to um, do this myself. No one else is going to do it for me. You know, this mm. real kind of fighter type mentality. And, and so it was interesting to realise that um, the people I met along the way were good people and I could actually count on them. And some of these people really had my back. And by the end of the Camino, I'd made friends that I now firmly believe will be friends for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's such a blessing, isn't it? Yeah, and learning to trust in people around me. Um, right. It's, uh, it's a big deal. So what, what, what about the little fighter? <laughs> she's still there. She's still there. But she she doesn't mind putting her feet up and sitting on the deck chair now and again. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's so true, isn't it? Because we all these days seem to have to hustle all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know really very many people who um, are content to just be. Yeah. That's the biggest challenge, I think. Well, I think we all desire to just be. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't come naturally. It's, uh, it's against our instincts because we're constantly being told what we should yeah. be. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, know? it's when I just went downstairs to meet you and the, the, the people, <laughs> you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people milling about in the square and you're thinking, oh gosh, this city's so busy, mm -hmm. so chaotic, so mm -hmm. energetic, which we love most of the time, but it's so very, very difficult to be the slow one. Yes. Yes, it is. And to switch off the device and to yeah. make, to make eye contact. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it, there were 400,000 pilgrims, um, but did they all seem busy? No, it's a headspace. You have a yeah. choice. You yeah. absolutely have a choice. And I found one of the beautiful things on the Camino is the way that people put away their technology and looked up. Mm -hmm. and looked each other in the eye. And every person you pass, for those who have never done the Camino, one of the beautiful little rituals is that you're supposed to greet the people you pass, um, no matter what time of the day, where you are. And the simple greeting is Buen Camino. It's, it's, it's like saying, have a great day, you know. Or yeah. it's, and even the locals in Spain show their respect to the pilgrims by saying Buen Camino. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, like I said, a sign of respect, but it's a, an acknowledgement. And it's almost like in yoga, um, I'm a yoga instructor as well, and there's the, the saying Namaste. That's right. Which means the light inside me sees the light inside you. It's just an acknowledgement of mm. one human to another. And it's mm. a really lovely way of existing. Yeah. And we don't tend to do that in our daily lives. No, we don't. No. That's a really good point. No, that's one of the things my sons loved most uh, after they kind of got used to it. To, to begin with, they were a bit hesitant. And I said, no, no, no. You, you say it to people as mm. you walk past them, turn and face them, and they'll look up at you and say, buen camino. Hola. Exactly. Buenos dias. In your worst <laughs> Spanish accent, and they'll love you for it. And they, they, yeah. they would always elicit a smile and get a smile, and a, it was just a lovely thing to do. I love that. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's great. So take a step back now. You mentioned walking to honour your friend Stuart. Tell us about that dedication, that tribute. Mm. What was that walk like? Well, it was beautiful. 
a really beautiful experience. Mm. Um, I did my grieving a few years ago when, when he passed. And so um, one of the things on the Camino that people are invited to do is to bring a shell with them, as you would know, Dan. Yeah. Um, and there is this beautiful point along the way um, called the Cruz de Ferro. Which it's my is, next question. Ah, Can you believe it? Well, there you go. Yes. There so tell go. us about the Cruz de Ferro. Well, for me, it was um, a very special morning. We woke before the sun was up and I was, by then I was walking with a small group of other pilgrims that I'd met along the way and we'd formed a bit of a tribe. Um, so we woke and we had our little head um, torches on and off we set up the hill as the sun was rising and the stars were just out and it was the most extraordinary morning. We had our music playing and we were just joking and being jovial. But of course I knew mm-hmm. this was like the, the, the pinnacle, the crescendo of, of the walk. And I'd been waiting for this moment, this anticipation. And I brought this shell along with me that I'd collected from my hometown in northern New South Wales intentionally for the purpose of placing mm. at this point at the Cruz de Ferro. And so I had that in my hand and... Um, I tend to have a bit of an Irish view around grief and that is that you celebrate a person's life rather than feeling sad for yeah, their loss. Of course. Um, so, so it was a beautiful moment where I was able to place the shell um, right there under the cross as the sun was rising and I was surrounded by these beautiful new friends that I'd made. And, wow. And, um, and at the same time it was a real sort of pat on the back for myself that I don't think we do very often for ourselves, but I was able to sort of you know, acknowledge that I'd made it this far and honoured um, his memory and and that I was starting a new chapter in my own life as well. Wow, that's so great. That's so great. Did anyone film it? Oh, <laughs> Cameras are everywhere, Dan. <laughs> what happens on the Camino stays on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon that'd be a really beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. yeah. So the Camino is full of little moments and that's what makes it so special. Tell us about just one of the little moments that meant so much to you. <laughs> okay. Oh, this one makes me laugh. In fact, I promised myself that for the rest of my life, if I'm ever having a crappy moment or, you know, I'm in the dentist chair and I just need to go to a happy place, it would be this memory. Um, look, f- for those who have done the Camino, you know that if you need to stop to go to the bathroom, this happens in the wilderness, right? Um, and hopefully you've got your little packet of wilderness wipes with you. Um, <laughs> but this is just how it works and you get over your you know, vanity pretty quickly and you just learn how to duck behind a tree at the last yeah, second yeah. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully there's no one turning around the corner. <laughs> so I was walking with three of my um, friends that I'd met along the way and they happened to be three blokes, one from Germany, one from Spain and one from the Czech Republic. Um, and they all had a pretty dry sense of humor, but I'd been very proud of the fact that I'd carried my own backpack every step of the way that weighed a quarter of my body weight. Right. And I would tell anyone who would listen, you know, I'm carrying this, look at me, I'm so cool. Um, so of course I had to take my pack off for a moment to duck behind a tree to do a wee, um, (laughs) with my wilderness wipes whilst I was gone for around about 22 seconds, I came back to the path and these three 
friends of mine, these blokes with their dry sense of humour, had grabbed my pack between the three of them and I just caught a glimpse of them as they were running into the distance carrying my pack with them, going, quick, here she comes. Um, And they basically kidnapped my pack and ran off with it, which, you know, of course I chased them. But from that point on, they claimed that, um, that, that I hadn't officially carried oh, my pack yeah. the entire way. Um, That's great. But, yeah, it was just, it was a sense of camaraderie, really, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that epitomised for me. That made me feel like I was part of mm-hmm. um, a tribe where, you know, you, you pass that point of trying to be polite to each other and, and you get to the point where you can actually really take the piss out of each other and you're walking together for so many hours every day. You learn so much about each other and more than just the black and white facts. You know, it's like what makes you tick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very close friendships that are formed in such a short amount of time. Exactly. And you have conversations that you wouldn't have even with your old friends. Exactly. That you, you wouldn't think to ask somebody that. Exactly. And you wouldn't think to answer that. No, that's right. And provide that sort of insight, which is just a really lovely thing to do, to have that opportunity to share that little bit of yourself. And quite often, I found anyway, I was astounded at my honesty. Indeed. Yeah, you know, and, and so I think that's a lovely thing to be able to learn about yourself, is that perhaps you are a little bit more open to being uh, a bit freer with, with who you are than you thought. Absolutely. I think we give each other permission on the Camino mm. to yes. to be more open. Like All that. it takes is the first person to take that little leap of faith and give an honest answer, um, you know, but it usually starts with, so why are you here? Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> no, that's so true. Mm. That's so true. I read an article about you this week about your Camino and it said it was quite a spiritual journey and a really soulful adventure. Mm. I wondered... When I read that, what's the difference between soulful and spiritual? Hmm. Well, I'll start by saying I'm not religious. Right. And so when people said, oh, the Camino, oh, that's that religious thing. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm quick to shut that down. I say, well, no, I think for most people it's quite spiritual. So it's a really personal connection with some sense of, um, I, I guess, that, that we are not the biggest things on, on earth, you know, and that there is maybe something a bit bigger than us out there, that there's a power in the universe, whether it's a scientific um, definition of just energy forces alone. Mm. So, so when people talk about spirituality, I think it's, it's a very personal thing, but it's just this knowing that I am not the be all and end all. Um, and that there's maybe an order to the universe that's, um, that's at play here. And, and it's kind of nice to, to just have a faith in something bigger than me. Um, so I found that the Camino really lent itself to that because, I mean, there are these incredible cathedrals in yeah. every single town that you're passing through and all these amazing patron saints and um, and every town has this history that is is really quite spectacular if you sit to um, to learn about it. So... I don't know if that answered your well, question. Well, no, it does. It does entirely. I just wonder about being soulful. Mm. I'd like to be more soulful. I just don't know where to start. <laughs> I start by um, being a little more humble. Mm. I start. I could certainly be a bit more humble. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think we all could. Um, but yeah, just remembering that that other people are out there too, and, yeah. and it's about being kind to each other. Um, and being appreciative for, for what we have. Yeah. Speaking of being kind, 
I imagine your journey, which is, as you say, seeing you sober for over a year, I imagine that journey meant a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. And self-forgiveness. Yeah. Did you reflect on that aspect of your journey while you walked? Yeah. Look, I think we're all pretty hard on ourselves. Yeah. Our little internal monologue is is usually full of um, judgment of each other and ourselves. Um, you know, we used the word should earlier. There's so many shoulds in life and um, and it's it's a bit of a hard, harsh way to live when you're really living in that headspace most of the time. So to to switch that off and to just say, look, I'm doing my best um, and anyone else out there who crosses my path, they're probably doing their best too. It might not be how I want yeah. things to be, but yeah. but since when did that ever happen for all of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you say the best. You know, you are doing your best. And so often we, we, we're so hard on ourselves by saying, or perhaps doubting that. Mm. Look, I think self-compassion can go a long way and, yeah. and then having more compassion for others. Um, yeah, compassion is, in my view, just more kindness and respect. Um, yeah, because we, we put a lot of labels on things and, um, and resentments. Yeah. A lot of us, um, a lot of us carry those around and, and yeah. at the end of the day, they, they are just things that weigh us down and sure. they can become toxic. Yeah. But I'm still a firm believer that we have a choice whether we carry those or not. Um, and it is when you let go of those, um, that, that this sense of peace can really come into your life. Mm -hmm. And that's been what I've personally experienced. I, I chose to let go of resentments. I chose to forgive um, myself and others, and and I now feel vast majority of my time I feel quite at peace. Um, Great. In the past twelve months, in particular, I, I have more, um, I guess, more contentment in my life yeah. than than what I've ever known before. How fantastic! It's pretty good. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it is. It's lovely. That's Right. Yeah. That's so great. So yes or no, one, one word answer. Mm -hmm. Did you come back a better listener? Sorry, what? Did you come back? <laughs> Sorry. You couldn't help yourself, could you? <laughs> Did you come back a better listener, yeah. Rosie? Yes, Dan. Are you listening to yourself now? Yes. And is the fighter, the little fighter listening to Rosie now? I gently ask her to listen and, and she does. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's so great. Cast your mind back again. You're walking out there on the, let's say you're on the Maseta or perhaps you're walking through Leon, perhaps you're walking through some of those really awful parts of walking through the early part of Burgos or whatever. Yeah. Why do you think it's so special if there are those difficult times and there are times when you think, why on earth am I doing this? <laughs> What makes the Camino de Santiago so special? Whose idea was this? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> um, okay. Short answer, answer to that is I don't think there are any ugly parts on the right? Camino. Even those parts where you're, you're walking through a dark sort of underpass and it's covered in graffiti um, and you're not quite sure if you're going the right way um, and you can hear traffic around <laughs> and... Um, to me, even those moments were quite beautiful, um, because I guess I looked at things through a bit of a lens of maybe like a photographer's lens or an artist's lens, you know, even the graffiti came to life for me and yeah. it, it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. but, 
yeah, even the sort of the long, dry, hot sections like the Masetta, I I guess I saw the symbolism in that, that you have to have those little sections in your life in order to get to the lush, foresty um, areas with the streams and the shade. Um, You can't just have one of this beautiful existence. It it doesn't work that way. And uh, I forgot the tail end of your question as well. No, no. I think what makes it more than just a walk, what makes it so special, and I think you've answered it, that has all those various aspects to it. And it's also... I call it slow tourism, where you are really immersed in the culture. Mm. You, know, mm. you smell the smells in the town. You yeah. hear the cowbells. Yes. You know, you, you, you stop to pick the burrs out of your socks. You, <laughs> you know, you, you get a chance to look into those little farmhouses and, the, and the, you walk past the barn and you can look inside and see the mm. ancient tractor in there. Mm. And you know how long those people have been toiling that soil. Indeed. It, it's really slow tourism. And that then lends itself in many ways to a slow recovery Mm -hmm. and a slow journey for yourself, right? That's right. Um, I I guess I, I would look around and I would see some people walking each day and they had their headphones on and they were head down and and timing themselves and counting their steps and they had their accommodation pre-booked for that night and they had to be there by a certain time. Um, and they generally would pass me when I was looking around and um, taking a photo of something or literally smelling a flower or yeah, <laughs> trying yeah. to take it all in. Totally. Um, and as a travel journalist, it is my job to get beyond the tourist sort of um, walkway of things. And so on one particular occasion, I remember walking past a, an old man's um, garage and like you described it, you know, you stop and you look and you take in the sights, sounds and smells. And and he'd set up his garage and filled it with memorabilia and photographs of pilgrims and flags and oh, wow. stamps from all around the world. And he'd dedicated his life to chatting to pilgrims that now walk past. And he right. was he was really elderly. He was an old Spanish man and had a cane and... Um, and he was just divine and he offered free coffee for anyone who walked past and a stamp for your little pilgrim passport. So I, of course, you know, stood and had a little chat and he wanted to know where I was from and I said Australia. And then of course he wanted to give me the tour of his garage that had, you know, Australian memorabilia. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and people came and went during that time and some people borrowed his bathroom and, um, he tried to give me some toast and it was just a really lovely moment of connection. And I thought, well, you know, that's the stuff where you meet a local. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you don't get that on a little tour or a Contiki trip, do no. you? No. No, no, you don't. And you don't, as I say, smell the local smells and you don't sort of see those little hidden secrets. And that's, I think, what makes it so special. Mm. You come home and someone will say something like you were just saying then, and I'm thinking to myself, I think I might have walked past that. Probably. Or someone will say, I walked into this church in Ralegos and I'll think, I went into that church. <laughs> yes, yes. And they'll say, oh, and there was like these gold cupids. And I think, oh, yeah, I forgot about the oh, gold cupids. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah, that's right. Those little snippets, mm-hmm. the little memories in those little moments that as I was talking about before. Mm. Uh, tell us about um, walking into Santiago de Compostela. Oh, that was an emotional moment. Well, I mean, 
we all walked in with this expectation, didn't we? Yeah. You know, every single person who does it knows that this is the finish point. The, you know, there'll be chariots and flags and streamers mm. and, <laughs> you know, this is the moment. Um, I walked in with a group of about 15 of us um, and we'd all started solo and become mates along the way. Oh, wow. And we'd made this decision, this pact to walk in together. Um, so we arrived and, and it was almost like this silence fell over us walking into the city. There'd been this energy and this adrenaline in the couple of days in the lead up and you're counting down the kilometres on the little side posts that tell you how far to go and, and it became a little bit melancholic instead of a giant celebration. There was, there was almost a, a sadness that it was ending. Mm. and that we would eventually have to say goodbye to each other yeah. and that we would all have to go back to our lives. Um, I'd say being Australian and knowing I was coming home to summer and my children, um, I was probably one of the happiest, you know, that yes, I was celebrating I'd achieved this amazing momentous trip and that I was going home to an amazing part of the world. So I couldn't complain. Mm. But I was sad to be saying goodbye to these friends and that this particular journey was ending. But a lot of my other friends who were from all over Europe were going home to their, you know, their marriages and to winter and they were bawling their eyes out. <laughs> I felt I felt sad for them. Um, but wow. I think we as Aussies, we, we've got it pretty good. We do have yeah. it pretty good, don't we? Yeah. Did you stay long in Santiago? Did you go to the Pilgrim's Mass, for instance? I did indeed. I wouldn't miss that for anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I went to the Pilgrim's Mass and I took some time to walk around before the Mass and, and to go down into the crypt and have a look at um, at St. James. Mm. And that was very special. And um, and have, have you heard the rumour that if you go in through that door that all of your former sins are forgiven? Through the holy door. Have you heard yeah, that? Yeah, and you it's only have. open in, in holy years. I had to just keep going round back through. <laughs> Committing new sins on the way? <laughs> I, I was just like, it was like one of those rotating doors for me. I just kept yeah, going yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed the mass. That was absolutely, um, yeah, it was breathtaking. And I was there with my friends who I'd walked wow. with. And so we sat in silence and... There was just such a power. There was an energy in in that space. And then we had a giant feast together in a restaurant with about 40 or so people. Wow. It was quite special. Um, but sadly, I had an early morning flight the next day. So, yeah, I had to race off. And as we know, it takes a, a, quite a while to get on the flight from Spain back home to it Australia. Does. I went via Barcelona and Paris and had some um, bit of tourist time doing that. And then got home to my girls. It's a long way, isn't it? It is. A bloody long way. But it's so worth it. So you have the rest of your life ahead. You've already been through some incredibly difficult times. Mm. Do you have a mantra that keeps you focused? Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have a few, actually, but um, I know who I am. And that's taken me a while to come to that. Um, it, is, it is just an assurance that I'm strong within myself. It doesn't mean I'm invincible, but it means that I'm, I know I'm capable and whatever comes my way will be a wave and I can ride the wave. I can ride it joyfully. I can accept, um, adversity as opportunities to grow. 
Um, I can respect others who don't choose to do it that way. Um, but it's a constant learning. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm appreciative of that. Wouldn't life be boring and dull if we'd stopped learning and we'd reached this point of oh, yeah. feeling complete? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly absorbing everything around me. Um, and since doing the Camino, I've been saying yes to all sorts of exciting new things, um, possibilities. So this morning, for example, I got up um, at 4.45am and uh, bundled my kids and my dogs in the car and my new flatmate who I'd met on the Camino. And she came with me. She's just arrived from the Netherlands. And we went and did an ice bath at Bronte Beach here in Sydney. Wow. Um, and watched the sunrise and did morning meditation and started our day that way. So this is this is this kind of fresh perspective and this um, determination to really seize life. Yeah. When you think about the new you, uh, it, it, there's an acknowledgement in, a, in, a, in some respects that there was an old you or there is an old mm, you. Indeed. Um, do you miss the old you? I don't because the old me is still there. I haven't um, cast any part of me aside. I, you know, I maybe wrap it gently and yeah. say, come on, off we go. Yeah, good for you. Um, but these scars are part of me. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's, I actually have a tattoo that's um, about, you know, she wore her scars like wings and learnt to fly. So it's, um, it's really about embracing those hardships that make us stronger and, and it gives me this silver lining to, to really say yes more to life. That's really interesting because you answered the question without really knowing that what I was setting you up for <laughs> was to say, your mantra is, I know who I am, mm. then you must really know who you are. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, I actually, I do have that as a, another tattoo. It's in French. Um, je sais qui je suis. Right. So it's, yeah, it really is. Um, and it's a personal thing and it's still evolving, I would say. Yeah. So as we've been talking and, and there are people listening to this perhaps for the first time tuning into my podcast and maybe thinking of walking, um, what's one thing you experienced on your Camino that might convince somebody listening for the first time considering doing it? Mm. It might convince them that something you went through or experienced. Yeah, okay. I think a lot of us um, at times in life we struggle to feel a sense of hope that anything is still possible, right? Mm. Um, we can be really weighed down by our responsibilities in life, whether it be a family commitment or a job that we depend on or um, health restrictions or financial. Mm. Okay, so, so for me, when I say this was a spiritual pilgrimage as well, it meant that I was open to interesting things happening that reminded me just that, possibilities everywhere and hope. There's hope in this world to be anything you want, to um, create new opportunities for yourself. And a specific example was I was listening to a podcast about spirituality and this particular one was uh, while I was walking and it was all about the idea that we're surrounded by angels, maybe angels in human form. And so, you know, we cross paths with so many people for different reasons and sometimes we gain 
you know, a special um, sense of magic from encounters with yeah. different people. So I was listening to this podcast and it's, you know, angels, right? And then I, I thought, oh, there's a little food truck up ahead in the middle of nowhere. And I wanted to just stop for a drink. And there was a lovely little old Spanish man at the helm of this food truck and um, doing free coffee and stamps for the pilgrims. And I stopped, took my headphones off and he looked at me and I smiled and I looked at him and he smiled and he said, ah, you are like a flower, a flower in the forest. I have a terrible Spanish accent. You're, you're like a flower <laughs> in the so forest. Um, and I'm uh, so gracias. And um, oh, gracias, I should say. That was, it. yeah. And he, uh, and he said, oh, what is your name? I said, well, my name is Rose like a flower. And he said, oh, this is beautiful. I said, okay, what is your name? And he said, my name is Angel. And I went, oh my God, I've just been listening to this podcast about angels, right? It just was this moment. Wow. And I thought, huh. I mean, I don't even think that really comes across when I try to explain it. But for me at that point in time, it just went, oh, and there it is. Surrounded by angels. Yeah. Wow, I yeah. really like that. Yeah. I'm going to think a lot about that. Yeah. I can tell I am. <laughs> so give us one word to describe your Camino and why. Joy. Yeah. Why? Joy. Um, I think I had done my time feeling like I'd processed pain before I did the Camino. Mm. So to start the Camino, to get on the plane to go and do the Camino was the beginning of my new chapter and every moment, every footstep of this walk, all 790,000 kilometers of it, um, sorry, 790 kilometers, not thousand. Um, those footsteps for me, every single one was a celebration of the fact that I was there, that I was alive, healthy, free, capable. Um, that, that to me was just a miracle. And so I felt a sense of joy, even at the times when I couldn't feel my feet and the <laughs> blisters were just excruciating. And, you know, th there were so many hard, hard moments. Um, I, you know, I won't um, sugarcoat them. There, there were real challenges and I broke down in tears on a number of occasions. Um, but even still, there was a joy for the fact that I was there and there were so many millions of people around the world who weren't able to be there, who yeah. would want to be. And yeah. I was one of the few that had this chance. Yeah. Yeah. So a real joy, I think, even in the, in the rough times. Joy. Yeah. I, I use joy all the time. I love that word. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Mm. It really is. It's so rare mm -hmm. and so precious. It's, it's a sense of freedom and fun. Yeah. We've become so serious in our adult lives, you know, yeah. and we're trying to tick all the boxes. And, and when we can put that aside and just be a big kid and um, listen to music and <laughs> smile at strangers, yeah. um, you know, take things in like, like you said, the cows in the meadows, yeah. they just, oh, the goats, the goats crack me up. I just think they're hilarious, you know. So I just felt a sense of joy at yeah, everything yeah. I was walking past. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you should say that because I, I played a show last Saturday night at the Bank. I'm a musician mm. at the Bankstown Sports Club, a, a big club, and 
and I was playing and it was a, they just had the toy giveaway, the raffles mm-hmm. on the Saturday afternoon. So there was all these kids there. Yeah. And they're all dancing. All the kids were dancing. Yes. The kids were dancing to everything, even the songs that they couldn't dance to. <laughs> there weren't danceable songs they were dancing, but none of the parents were. You know, I was thinking, when do you lose that joy? Mm, that's it. We've become so self-conscious. Right? But Plus yeah. a lot of the kids were yeah. wearing onesies. Why aren't we wearing onesies? Exactly. Right? Bring back the onesies. <laughs> they were dressed like, I was thinking, I'd love to have a little pantsuit like that kid. <laughs> Like, well, I, can't even... I bought a pantsuit the other day. Did you really? I, I there did, you go. Dan, I there did. You go. Yeah. When we lose the joy. I love it. So <laughs> now, what would you say to 21-year-old Rosie if you could whisper something in her ear? Ooh, that's another great question. Um, kindness. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. How lovely. Yeah. I think I'm... I'm pretty harsh on myself. I put these really high expectations on myself and I find that, you know, I'm harder on myself than anyone else is Mm. around me. And if I just knew that by the age I am now, I'm 43, um, I, you know, that I'd be doing something like a Camino and that the world would be a beautiful place, then I would just chill out a bit and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Kindness. Great answer. Wow. I love it. All right. Now, I always ask my guests to tell us a Camino story. Oh. Oh, which one? So many. Give me, give me more context. Any story? Any story. Tell me a story that when you think back you makes you smile. Well, the angel story yeah. was definitely. Okay, here we go. Um, do you remember a little town called Santo Domingo? Of course. Yes. Okay. So, um, I love Santo Domingo because of this history around the, the saint, um, that is supposed to be the, you know, the the patron saint of this town. And so the whole town has these signs of chooks and roosters everywhere. And I'm not sure, Dan, if you've heard the story behind the roosters. Of course, yeah. of, okay. Yeah. Some people walking with me still hadn't heard it even after we'd passed through the town. So this one for me just really made me smile because I think chooks are quite funny, but why on earth would a whole town worship chooks, right? Ah. Um, even the cathedral has two live chickens in the cathedral as you're walking in. <laughs> so you're sitting there. I sat there during mass with these two chooks going <laughs> over the doorway. And I mean, for animal lovers out there, such as myself, they rotate the chooks every two weeks so that they're, you know, they're not permanently engaged in this cathedral. But the story goes that there was um, a young man many, many, many years ago from the town and, um, and a young woman fell in love with him, a servant. He didn't feel the same for her. So she planted some silver in his bag and he was uh, arrested for being a thief. Um, he was hung and, um, and his family was terribly upset. And there are a few variations of this story, but this is the way it was yeah. to- told to me. Yeah. His family was terribly upset and, um, and a- around a week later they, they were staring at his body in the main square that was hanging. It's a bit morbid. Um, but they noticed that he was alive. And so they raced off to the town mayor who was um, busy cooking some chicken at the time. And they said to him, look, our son, our son, he is actually still alive. It's a miracle. We must bring him down. 
Uh, and the and the mayor said, "Oh, look, your son is as alive as these two chickens that I am cooking." And with that, the story goes that these two chickens leapt out of the cooking pot and ran <laughs> off into the distance. And so it was a miracle, right? And this this young man lived, and so did the chickens, and the whole town worships chickens as a result. That's so great, isn't it wonderful? It's so, so great. I bought a few little chickens, sort of souvenirs from the town, and um, yeah, it's the it's a great story. It is a great Santo story. Domingo. Santo Domingo. That's right. He was the hermit who looked uh, tended to the pilgrims up in the mountains. Yes, so, so Dominic. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. and I was reporting. Um, on the radio when I was in Santo Domingo ah. and being the, the time difference, it was going to be three o'clock in the morning in Santo Domingo. And I said to the hospitalero, can I duck outside at three o'clock? And he said, no, no, you can't. You can't leave the albergue. I said, but I've got to do this report on the radio at three, 3 a.m. I'll wake everybody up. <laughs> he said, oh, well, come in here and, and, Sit down that hallway there, just push that door open and you can go into there. Mm. And I said, oh, okay, sure. So I didn't go and look or mm. check it out or anything. No I just recce. went up to bed. Mm. So when I came down, three o'clock, my, my yes. alarm didn't want to wake anybody up. So mm. went downstairs, I pushed open the door and it was the chapel, like a 16th century chapel <gasps> and stone and timber pews and just two candles burning in there oh. and just me on my own. And thirty-two chickens. And on the other <laughs> side of the of the the timber wall were was slatted, you know, and there were the chickens. Oh, you're kidding me! There were the chickens, and these were the relatives of the chickens, and where they keep them before oh, they put them in there. Oh my god! So I'm on the phone back to Australia reporting, <laughs> and I'm saying, "You'll never believe this story." <laughs> and so I'm telling this story, and that was where I was. I was in the chapel in Santo Domingo. How extraordinary! Yeah, oh. and it really holds a special place in my heart that town. Mm. Because I had a wonderful night there with some some people who I still call very dear friends, mm. uh, and and it is a wonderful, wonderful place. And you've taken us to some wonderful, wonderful places, Rosie. <laughs> thank you. Firstly, thank you for taking the time to join me in the studio. It's been a real pleasure, and congratulations to Rosie. The journey you you have undertaken is no mean feat. Look, I don't think anyone comes back without having achieved something um, after, yeah. after a Camino. But, Dan, thank you. It's been an absolute honour to, to be invited to join you. Well, I hope you continue to stride out proudly and proud of what you've been able to achieve for yourself and for your family. Thank you. I will do my best. Yeah. And, and with any luck, I'll be able to take my girls with me on a pilgrimage one day somewhere. Fantastic. Mm. When Camino? Gracias. My guest this week was the Australian pilgrim Rosie Jacobs. The English author Arnold Bennett wrote, The chief beauty about time is that you cannot waste it in advance. The next year, the next day, the next hour are lying ready for you, as perfect, as unspoiled, as if you had never wasted or misapplied a single moment in all your life. You can turn over a new leaf every hour if you choose. Just before we wrap it up, a very special thank you to my Patreon sponsors, Emma and Janet. Thanks for coming on board, for your kindness especially. And you can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. That's it for another week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere